Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy romance and romantic fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. <sighs> so it's been, it's been a thing. Uh, I had a great weekend, uh, kind of finished off with a bang. Oh, I should say Monday today, Monday, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it is Monday, May 2nd. We are fully into the merry month of May, which means, um, sexy things for those of you who know, uh, we won't get into it, even though we are hardly PG here at first cup of coffee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever uh i did get the secret garden cleaned up if you're on video you can see it's looking much better i did not quite finish the vine behind me that needs yet to be done you might be able to see that i have the hummingbird feeder up i've actually spotted hummingbirds so nice to have them back again um and everything is leafing out uh in cleaning up the yard yesterday the garden I got a really nice surprise and I don't know if I mentioned it here on the show last fall, but I was looking back at old pictures of our garden in Laramie and Wyoming where we lived for 20 years. And we had had this beautiful bleeding heart by the front door of um, the first house we bought together. And it was in the shade. Um, east facing and it was gorgeous. It was like a couple feet tall and I don't know. I might've seen one in someone else's garden, but it reminded me, I was like, Oh, I love that bleeding heart. I wonder if I could grow it in Santa Fe. There's a little bit of background on this is I do love to garden. You guys probably know that already. Although this was here when we bought the house. It is however changed over enough that I think I can start taking some credit for it. But, um, I, yeah, I I've always really loved to garden and in, we had two different houses in Laramie, uh, where, yeah, we really created some, some neat gardening type stuff. We put in ponds and waterfalls and my garden at one of them, the first house with, which had the great bleeding heart was actually on the town's, uh, garden tour one year, which is not a fantastic accomplishment probably because, um, it was a small town, but I was proud. I was proud. And, and I put, took flowers and plants to the garden show and won prizes. So there you go. My grandmother loved to garden and my mom says it skips a generation. That's her excuse. Although my mom loves to do potted plants and she's amazing at design and I just splashed my coffee everywhere. That's not good. It's a Monday. Somebody has a case on the Mondays. <laughs> so, um, last fall I thought, well, oh, I should, this was the other bit of backstory is that when we moved to Santa Fe, I thought, oh, it's going to be so much easier to garden there because we always 
joked about gardening and Laramie as being an exercise in building character because the environment is just really very harsh. It's high altitude and it's cold a whole lot of the year. We had a shorter growing season than Fairbanks, Alaska. Uh, that was a great detail to share with visitors. Uh, one of my friends, a poet, had a uh, a chapbook of poetry that was entitled Hope in Zone 4 because we were the uh, <laughs> Zone 4, which was we were like teetering on the edge of Zone 3 and maybe not not even that sometimes, but that summed it up. I thought that was a great title, Hope in Zone 4. I can't remember her name right now. You could probably look it up. Alice? Oh, well. So um, when we moved to Santa Fe, I thought, here is my chance. I will be able to uh, garden without having to build so much character. And it's interesting because, yes, in some ways it's easier. Uh, the growing season's much longer. Uh, there's the warmth. Uh, water becomes a big thing. And it's too hot for some things. But anyway, last fall, I thought, huh, I wonder if I could grow bleeding hearts here. So I got three bare root plants and I planted them at three different locations of the garden. And yesterday, and probably forgot about it. That's one thing about gardening is, um, <clears throat> are there gardeners out there who like remember absolutely everything they plant? This is an interesting corollary to the fact that as a writer, I consider myself to be a gardener. Um, and I totally don't remember everything I plant <laughs> until it grows and it pops up. So yesterday, as I was cleaning things out, I found a little bleeding heart and it was already starting to bloom. So I'll put a photo of that because I know you're dying to see. And then I was like, okay, where did I plant the other ones? And I found one other um, right behind me and it's also about to bloom. And the other one I think is Hunter the Crabapple. I'm going to have to go look for it. Um, for a while, I did have these markers, like these copper markers that you could um, use a special pen to mark things on. Uh, it it didn't last. You know, the garden doesn't love having things really neatly laid out. At least mine doesn't. Um, one of my friends in Laramie who was also a writer and was um, also a gardener, we shared a great deal that way, she said that she had read an interesting study on that people with really well-ordered gardens tend to have have well-ordered gardens because they have more chaotic lives and people with really organized lives have more chaotic gardens um behold my chaotic garden she always thought that was really funny that i was like i never know where i've planted things and some things don't come back i mean that's the thing about santa fe um we things just don't always overwinter. Um, rodents, dryness, sometimes it gets really cold, but we had a lot of things over winter this year. Um, so yeah. And the lilacs are starting to bloom. You probably can't see it very well, but I'll turn the video in case you are on video. You can see that the lilacs are starting to pop. So that's cool. Um, so yeah, I got that all finished by yesterday afternoon and showered off and was enjoying the grape arbor and got a call from my stepsister that my parents were in a car wreck. They're both okay, more or less okay. Um, totaled the car, this kid going really, really fast, uh, 
um, they were going through, they'd stopped at a stop sign and we're going through the intersection. And my mom keeps calling the kid. We don't know how old he is, um, but he was going really fast and slammed into them, spun them around. Um, stepdad had to stay the night in the hospital. Uh, he's, he's generally okay. His blood pressure is high and my mom sent me pictures of the car and the airbags had gone off and on his, so he was driving on his side. The blood is on the airbags. He got a big hematoma on his arm and his leg and they had to lance it and then we're having trouble stopping the bleeding and all of that. So stay tuned. Um, <laughs> my stepsister is funny because the couple of times that something like this has happened, she calls me, which she almost never calls me. We usually text. She calls me and she says, so have you talked to your mother lately? <laughs> and the second time she's asked me that. And I know, and I laughed at her for it later because I, and she said, well, I don't know what you already know. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I understand why you're asking it. It's still funny because now I know if Hope calls me and says, have you talked to your mother? That means that something has happened. So, so that was our big thing. Um, I talked to my mom this morning and she did get good sleep. So that's something, um, she's was really shaken up. And so we'll just see how things go. I asked her if she wants me to come to Tucson and she said, not yet. So, um, but if you're listening to this mom, I will. A couple other things. This is just like back to our usual programming. Um, I've started listening to poetry. This is a new thing. And it's uh, amazingly, immensely gratifying and well refilling. I don't know why I didn't think of this before. So some of this came out of uh, the rabbit hole of reading this biography of Elizabeth Barrett Browning and Robert Robert Browning. I think it's funny because the transcript always makes Browning lowercase. I have to go in and fix it. I don't catch them all, but they um, obviously were poets and married to each other. And it was fascinating to read. And there were some excerpts of their poetry, but it mostly focused on them um, and talked about some like their works in context of what was going on in their lives at the time and their relationship and so forth. So after I finished the book, which I think I finished on Friday, something like that, I went and looked up a few of the poems because I wanted to see what, um, you know, just get the context for it. Some of them I knew already, some I did not. I was of course familiar with how do I love thee, let me count the ways. Although I don't know that I'd ever really read the whole poem and paid attention to it. So as I was looking that up, Googling on my phone, uh, I got suggestions for hearing people read. And so I, I'd read the poem. Um, it's, it's not called how do I love thee, but I can't recall what it's called right now, what the actual title is. And I listened to, um, a famous actress, Helen Mirren, Helen Mirren read it. And it was lovely hearing her reading it. And then you know how it is when you start Googling things. Uh, I got the very helpful suggestion of, did I want to hear my bestie Tom Hiddleston 
read me some poems. And I thought that that one was going to be in it, but it was, um, it was not, that was like a red herring on the keywords, but still delightful. And I listened to this 30 minute thing and I'll, I'll try to remember to post it in the show notes because it's well worth listening to. It's a collection of poems read by Tom Hiddleston, who does a great job of reading. He's got a lovely voice too. And, and it was some poems that I was familiar with from school and so forth and other ones that I was not. And I was getting ready in the morning, um, you know, like doing my skincare routine and all of that. It's a little breezy this morning. You can kind of see my hair's flying around. It's supposed to be windy today, alas, which at least keeps the smoke off. Um, we do have a fire up in the Yemez Mountains, which transcript will not get right, uh, up near Los Alamos. And Saturday, our air was listed as unhealthy. So I just stayed in on Saturday. But then, fortunately, wind shifted direction and it moved out. So I was able to be out here on yesterday. So that was a positive um, what were we saying? Oh, the poems. So I was listening to these poems and just found it really stimulating and invigorating. And I never thought of that as being a thing for refilling the well. And when I was on poetry.org looking up some of these poems, they had pop-ups and I reflexively close pop-ups because I hate pop-ups and I hate that we can't stop them anymore. But they did ask me if I wanted to receive a poem a day in the mail, mail, email. And I, you know, like said no right as I was reflexively closing their fucking pop-up. And now I kind of think maybe I do want that. It would be interesting. Uh, one thing about poems is, and you guys probably learned this in school too, that they're almost always better read aloud. And I learned to read a poem three times, right? You read it through, um, just to get the poem in once. And then you read it through much more carefully parsing it for sense. And then a third time again, faster. And, and one of those, you, and I'll usually the last time read it out loud or the first time even, um, it, I just get poems much better if I read them aloud. So listening to other people read them is great. And I, one of the ones that Tom Hiddleston read was the love song of J Alfred Prufrock from which I recognized many, many lines. And I'm sure I had to have studied it at some point in school, but I'd never paid that much attention to it. And again, this is something about, you know, what we bring to, to a work. Uh, I never knew probably because I was a, dense teenager when I first read that poem or studied it. I think people may have done it for like poetry competition and speech and debate because I did do poetry one year. I read um, an Anne Sexton poem. You do not do old black shoe. Now that I think I did it like way too dramatically with a blue star on my forehead. Anyway. Uh, I'm sure people did J. Alfred Prufrock love song of, but I never picked up on all the reflections about, uh, growing older and how do you feel about love later in life? Um, 
and it was really enlightening and delightful and I recommend the listen. My coffee got really cold. It must be chilly out here. Chillier than I thought. But we're almost done. So we watched another episode of Winning Time, the LA Lakers story last night, and also another episode of Julia about Julia Child, which I think I've also recommend enjoying both of those shows very, very much. Uh, In the episode last night, there is this point at which they're talking about how basketball is only a game. And Jason Siegel, who plays Paul Westfield, says, you know, why are we even doing this? It's only a game. And the older man, one of the team managers, starts talking about uh, when he was a young man. And he says he graduated from high school on Monday, married his sweetheart on Tuesday, and shipped off to the Navy on Wednesday night. So he has to be referring to World War II, I would think. And he says, you know, here they were, a bunch of kids on this boat. And the on like once a week, they would stream a game, baseball, basketball, football, whatever. And they would all watch this game and become totally involved in it. And he said, here they were in this life and death situation. And it, yes, it was only a game but it was also this much needed distraction. And, and that really hit me because, you know, I, I've been disdainful of sports in the past and, and a few of my friends have called me out on it. And I think rightfully so, because there, there's nothing wrong with being into sports any more than there's anything wrong with being into romance. Uh, it is not, I don't want to say it's a distraction. It is something that allows us to look away a little bit from the very difficult things we're dealing with. And there's, there's just, um, I think there are people who want us to make, want to make us feel that there's something bad about that. And there just isn't apparently this woman, and I don't know who she was, but she tweeted something a couple of weeks ago saying, um, she, she even started saying, I'm probably going to get in trouble with this for this, (laughs) which if you start your tweet saying that you should probably seriously reconsider whether you really want to tweet it. But she said, how can any of you be reading fiction at a time like this? Uh, We all need to be reading nonfiction so we can understand what's going on. There are always these people in the world. And apparently she later deleted the tweet after getting thoroughly shouted down. But, you know, these people who think that you have to be totally focused on the brutal reality of the moment, um, you, you don't, especially when, you know, we, we now have the curse and blessing of being able to know all of these things that are going on around the world. There isn't an escape for, from it unless you give yourself the escape. And so, uh, my permission wand is inside, but I shall wave it nonetheless in absentia. Uh, you do not have to watch the news. You do not have to read nonfiction to understand what's going on. You can watch your sports things games. You can read your escapist romances. You can listen to Tom Hiddleston read you poetry. 
because all that you can control is right here right your your internal environment so you do what you need to do um, to create your own zone of happiness because then that gives you the the energy it refills that well and it enables you to go out there and then make changes in the world and on that note I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye bye.